The reading today is from Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God the Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all his people. The faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true word of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it's just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who has also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have a great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Brill, we'll, we'll keep that up if we could go to verse uh, one, Nico. Let's pray together as we start. Lord, thank you so much for your word that gives us everything we need for righteousness, for salvation, for hope, for understanding. And thank you that not only have you given us your word, you've given us your spirit, the author of that word. And we ask, Holy Spirit, you would help us now as we look at this passage, give us understanding. And may we all go away from this place with a clearer picture of who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we're starting a, a new series that's going to run through June and July, looking at Paul's letter to the Colossians, and it is an amazing letter. Paul wrote this letter when he was in prison, when he was strapped to a Roman, chained to a Roman soldier. Can you imagine that? When you hear of some of the things that he writes about and the joy that is clearly in him, simple question to ask oneself, could I have that joy? if my circumstances were the same. That was Paul's circumstance, writing to a church in Colossae, which is basically in modern-day Turkey. Uh, you can visit it. Um, sharing some incredible truths with them about who they are as Christians, life-changing truths about what God has done for them and each one of us in Jesus Christ. He speaks clearly. Next week, come back. He speaks clearly about who Jesus is. My goodness, what a picture he paints. He speaks clearly about who we are, about our calling as followers of Jesus. He shares at times the challenges that we face, the risks that are out there. I was thinking this morning, you know, it's possible to physically harm ourselves. It's 
possible to emotionally harm ourselves, economically harm ourselves, all kinds of things. It's possible to spiritually harm ourselves too. There are risks, dangers. Paul speaks about them in this letter. We will cover those things. But more importantly, he looks at how we can overcome those challenges and have victory in Jesus. But today's message, chapter 1, verse 1, this is where it all starts. And uh, my first point, essentially the, the point of this whole message, is that it is all about grace. It's all about grace. It's a very Christian word that, isn't it, grace? What does it mean? Well, it essentially means God's riches, follow the letters, God's riches at Christ's expense. Any Les Mis fans out there today? Les Miserables? Anyone been to the musical? Is that all? Anyone been to the musical? Come on, hands up. Gosh, the rest of you guys, you need to go. Amazing, uh, based on uh, the book. Um, and it tells the story of a chap called Jean Valjean, who is imprisoned for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his starving family with. And he's sent to prison with hard labor that nearly kills him for years and eventually gets out and he's in France and they have to carry a note around saying, I'm an ex-con, you know, and he needs to show it everywhere he goes. So no one takes him in, no one gives him the time of day, no one gives him any bread or lodging or food. So he's at his, his wit's end and he's, he's a beggar basically on the street and a priest sees him and that priest shows him love, kindness, takes him in, brings him into his home and uh, gives him a, a hot bowl of food, gives him bread, wine, gives him a bed to sleep in, gives him his dignity, his humanity back. But if you know the story, you'll know Jean Valjean in his desperation, in his poverty, he wakes in the middle of the night, waits till everyone's asleep and he gets up. And he robs that priest and he steals all his silver and he makes off with a sack. But then uh, the police find him, the army, and they bring him back to the priest's house. And they throw him down in front of the priest and say, we found him, Monsignor. Here he is, we, you know, just say the word and we'll take him off. And he'll be back in prison, if not executed. And what they say, the police, uh, is that he had the nerve, he had the cheek to say that you gave him all this silver. And the priest says, what he says is true. And then he looks at Jean Valjean and says, but my friend, how remiss of you to forget the best bits and goes over to the dining room table and takes the silver candlesticks and puts them in that sack as well. And says to the officers, unchain him, release him. He tells the truth. And then he whispers in Jean Valjean's ear, now go and make a change in your life. And I won't spoil the rest of the story, but needless to say, he does. That, my friends, is a picture of grace. And Paul begins this letter by hinting at this grace. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, i.e. God's chosen me to do this, and not just him to be an apostle. Do you know he's chosen you to be a Christian? You're here because of his choice of you. Yes, we choose him, and don't ask me to explain it now. It's a very complex relationship between free will and God's sovereignty, but God has chosen 
us. It's by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Grace to you, Paul says. And as I was reading this passage, preparing this this week, I was struck afresh by that expression in verse 2, to God's holy people in Colossae. The word for that literally means to God's saints. Let me ask you this morning, how do you think of yourself? What's the internal narrative and monologue that you've got going on inside your head, in your heart, when it comes to understanding who you are? Is it a bit of a mess? A bit chaotic? You know, a bit broken? If anything, in this environment, sinner. That's what I'd expect, right? I mean, people, if you've family, friends, anything like mine, they think, oh gosh, why do you go there? Mate, you feel guilty. We know sin is part of the bargain, right? That's the monologue we might have. But let me ask you, do you ever think of yourself as a saint? Believe it or not, this is how Paul majorly, on the majority of occasions, refers to the church and people of God. He calls us saints. That word literally means holy ones. Something that's holy is something that's set apart for the Lord, for his purposes. Brother, sister, this morning, if you are in Christ, then you are a saint. Let that sink in. But it's not because of something we've done, right? We, we know it's, it's not because of our own performance. Think back to Jean Valjean. He, he leaves with all that silver. He leaves with those riches at the priest's expense to make a change of his life. But it's not a reward for what he's done. No, it's just the grace of that priest giving him that gift. And friends, we have the grace of God in Jesus Christ to live a transformed life. Do we believe that this morning? That's what this whole book, that's what the whole Christian life is about. But it's not on our merit. It's because of what he's done. That key, those key words, the end of verse two, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Folks, that's what we've got to get our heads around, what we've got to understand as Christians. Everything we have, the place in which we now stand, this new identity that is ours, out of which we live a different life, is only possible because we're in Christ. He makes it possible. So, from today, go out, live, not as a sinner who occasionally does good things, but as a saint who occasionally slips up. Do you see the difference? It's a complete change of mindset. If you're struggling to believe me, Paul, again, writing to the church in Corinth, he writes describing what they were. He says, you were fornicators. You were sleeping around before marriage. You were idolaters. You were worshipping different gods. Just because we don't bow down to idols in our culture, don't think there aren't other gods. Just look at the city of London. Mammon, money, materialism. 
possessions, appearance, whatever it might be, there are idols. You were idolaters, he says. You were adulterers. You were thieves. You were drunkards. But then he goes on to write this. Such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of our God. Friends, if you leave here with one thing today, know this, that in Christ it is possible to leave your old life behind. Such were some of you. Yes, we sin. Yes, it's still active within us. Yes, we make choices we regret, that we wish we didn't. But in Christ, we have a new nature. We are born again. Paul again in Romans 6 writes this, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Christ, he goes on to say that we should no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. Do you know anyone who's dead, who's died recently, who's still making good choices or bad for that matter? Making any choice at all? No. When you're dead, that's it, right? But in faith, we too are crucified with Christ and our old nature dies and a new nature is born. And you can live out of that new nature. Is this making sense? It's pretty deep stuff. But it's basic stuff at the same time. There's no Christianity without this. And this is why Paul can call them God's holy people. He can call us saints. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, wrote these lovely words, talking about the old covenant, the difference between the old and the new, law and the gospel. He said, he said this, Run, John, run, the law demands but gives me neither legs nor arms. Better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. Friends, it's all about grace. Did we achieve this status? No. It comes as a free gift. This is Christianity. So that's the first thing we see in this intro, that it's all about grace. The second thing we see is that we receive grace through the gospel. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Faith, love, and hope. The big three, the trinity that we know about. If you've heard anything about Christianity, you know. It's faith, hope, and love. But how do we get it? Well, it comes through the gospel. I mean, firstly, who's grateful for heaven today? That that reality exists, that place exists, that we're heading there, that we can live knowing it's real and experiencing its power. We're grateful for it, right? But I wonder if you, like me, have friends, family who say, oh, I wish I could have your faith. Anyone recognize that quote? Anyone said that to recently? Wish I could have your faith. I just, I just can't, not wired that way. You know, that's how people think. The answer to those people is, say, is to say, well, you can. <laughs> you can have that faith. Because it comes through the gospel. Again, verse five, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven 
and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. They heard about this life that's possible, the Christian life, in the gospel. And in that moment, that moment of hearing, their lives were changed. They came alive spiritually. They were what Jesus called and coined. They were born again. And in that moment, they moved from primarily being sinners to being saints. Does that make sense? They plugged in. Can you see this box here? I've got a little analogy, a little, little sermon illustration for you. Can you see this black box on the stage? Lifeless box. I want you to imagine that this box is us. And it's like a magic trick. It's not tied, it's not tied into anything. Nothing's plugged in. But it's lifeless in and of itself. Unless it is plugged in to the mains. Unless there's something to connect it. And I have here the lead that plugs in to this, which is not working. There we go. And then you take the lead, and this lead plugs in here. And then you are plugged in. I mean, obviously, God is more than just an extension cable. Can we just clarify that? The Trinity is more impressive than this. But the power flows. And when it does, our lives open up. <laughs> And we become salt and light. Before we have nothing, nothing to power us, nothing to share. But because of this power, because of this life, please, we become the light of the world and we point to Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? It's not a hard illustration to follow. But um, friends, that is us. But the point is, we connect. This is the key. Connection with God is the key. And we plug in through Jesus Christ through the gospel. I don't fully understand how it works, but all I know is this. When we share the good news, when we share the gospel and tell the story about God, God somehow unearths in people's hearts, and he did it for you, did it for me, unearths in our hearts and our souls and our spirits that join, that blue connection point. And there is a marriage, a union between our spirit and God's spirit and we are forever then connected does that make sense and that brings life that brings power it comes through the gospel and the other thing we see from this is that the gospel is something that can be learnt where is the bit about Epaphras Nico help me um, is, it, what, is it further on yeah you learnt it. Verse 7, you learnt it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. You learnt it. Friends, having faith isn't just something some people have or some people don't. It's something that can be shared. It's something that can be taught. Epaphras taught the faith to people and they laid hold of it as he explained the gospel. And you and I can do the same. Who are you sharing the gospel with in your lives? Family, friends, even work colleagues. How about doing a mini alpha course in your own home, inviting some of your friends around to hear the teaching of the gospel, to learn it like they did from Epaphras. You can make a difference. And you can see your friends, your colleagues, go from being disconnected to being fully connected to the life of God.
Because friends, we receive grace through the gospel. And as I land, I just want to see that we are called to go on growing in grace. Verse 9, Nico. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Phoebe, who you saw grabbing for the mic just now, six and a half months old, has not stopped growing. I mean, no surprise. Has not stopped growing since she came. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just a bit drunk on the joy of being a new dad. But just seeing the growth that doesn't stop, and nor will it, hasn't stopped since she was born. And friends, in our Christian lives, we are to go on growing from the day that we are born again. We're never to stop growing, never to stop learning. We're to constantly go on being filled. And Paul says it here, be filled with knowledge. It's a key theme. Why knowledge? Why the knowledge of his will? To fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit brings. Has anyone been in a bookshop recently? Other than Jay, uh, Waterstones, Piccadilly. Um, Has anyone seen the self-help section of bookshops nowadays? I mean, it's vast, isn't it? Sort of billion dollar, billion dollar. I don't know why we always say dollar as opposed to pounds. Sounds better. Billion dollar industry. And I happen to be on Amazon just managed somehow to click on the pocket full of hope to see how it's doing in the charts and it happens to be 693rd in the emotional self-help category which is remarkable remarkable remarkably poor performance um but why is it such a big section of any modern bookshop well it's because we know that our mindset is key to how we live How we think about and understand ourselves makes all the difference, especially so in the Christian life. Understanding changes everything. When we understand the cross, that it was for us, that Jesus died for you, for me, to take away our sin. When we understand the resurrection, that Jesus really did rise physically, and that that's the destiny for everyone who puts their trust in him. When we fully understand Jesus Christ, that he's not just a good man, not just a miracle worker, not just a prophet, but is and was God incarnate, as we'll see next week. That is to understand and have a knowledge of God's will. That is to have wisdom and understanding about who he is and what he's done. And when we have that, it changes everything. Leads to a transformation in how we live. When we know we're saints, when we understand that more, then verse 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. You notice the ethics follows the experience or the encounter. How we live and living a holy life follows the reception of grace. Jean Valjean lives a transformed life having been shown mercy and kindness by that priest. It's always in that order. We're never performing to get God's love. Never performing to be rewarded with God's grace. It's ours. It's a free gift. If we come to God today. A transformed life follows receiving, transforming grace through the gospel. As I close, guys, Christianity, Christianity isn't this. It isn't do your best 
and then you'll find out at the end of your life whether you've done enough to make it to heaven. In other words, it's not based on our performance. No, the gospel is this. God loves us even when we mess up. He loved us when we had no idea he even existed. He loves us even when we fall. And he welcomes us into his kingdom, not on the basis of our own performance or merit, but on the basis of Jesus Christ's performance and merit. He's the one, as verse 11 says, he's the one who strengthens us with all power to give us great endurance and patience. It's not our own strength, guys. Does that sound like good news today? He's the one who qualifies us to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. We don't earn that qualification. Amber was talking in her testimony, wasn't she, a bit about putting trust in earning, performing, seeking to be qualified. It's how the world lives and works. But in Christ, he gives it to us freely. He qualifies us. We can stop our striving because it's all grace. Does that sound like good news today? Verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Do you know the definition of needing to be rescued? It means not being able to save yourself. People who can't save themselves need rescuing. And that's you and that's me. So stop trying to redeem and rescue yourself. Stop trying to impress God and receive it as a gift. Does that sound like good news today? Because only through the Son do we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption, of course, was the price that was paid to set a slave free in the ancient world. And Jesus has paid that price for you and for me. He's brought us home. We are free. Friends, as we begin our study in Colossians, does that sound like good news to you? this morning I mean if you find me better news in the world and I'll follow that I'll give up this job and I'll start selling that stuff if there's anything out there no it's all about grace we receive grace through the gospel and we must go on growing in grace and the good news is grace is available today amen